Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. In this week's show, we are going to recap the Finisher 17, which featured a ba- almost the Battle of the Brothers. We are also going to recap the IBJJF Absolute GP for 2022, talk a little bit about AJP World Pro, and then uh, that is it for this week. As always yep. on the show, I'm your host, Maine, joined with the co-host. Zach. How you doing, Zach? Pretty good. Pretty doing good. good. We have, uh, there's not a lot of news this week. We're also no. going to talk about 1FC, 1 Championship. Uh, Danielle Kelly yeah. took a very quick victory over Sambo Champion, uh, Miriam there. And uh, Bia Basilio was also in there. With Bia Basilio a was also on the card, sub. making her debut yeah. on the uh, on that organization. Um, honestly, that's a that's a good enough place as any to start on the show. Not a whole lot of news this week. We're kind of in the Thanksgiving holidays yeah. for the United States. Uh, typically, things sort of wind down news wise. Everyone eats a lot of food, uh, doesn't make weight, and then proceeds to uh, kind of take two weeks off and chillax after Thanksgiving digest. for the most part. Rest and Unless digest. you typically we will have a uh, UK events like Grapple Fest typically runs during this time. Polaris will run events because uh, Thanksgiving sure. is not a European holiday, but pretty quiet on the US side where we are based out of. So let's talk yeah. about that. Uh, Danielle Kelly takes about a two minute, 10 second victory for the belt at one FC one championship yeah. starts out again with the rule set pulling guard. Yeah, this is something that we were just mentioning this before. And the pre- we we've, we've about the pre-show. In the pre-show, we were talking about this. Like, we're gonna st- we're gonna start the can, show with this. Can we stop taking people from other grappling sports, throwing them into jujitsu rule sets, and being like, "See, jujitsu is the best." Fucking stop! Like, I don't want to see another goddamn wrestler in a jujitsu rule set. I don't want to see a fucking judo player in a ju- in a BJJ rule set. Like. It's a different sport. It's a different sport. And so we take us an extremely good Sambo. And I'm not defending the Sambo guys because they can be really annoying sometimes, right? Especially, yeah. you know, I mean, in, in MMA, you have... MMA some- is, I think, we did it last week in the show. I think she's a six-time world Sambo champion. Like, very, very decorated. Yeah. Doesn't really get more decorated in the world of Sambo. Um, but again... Com- they're not playing... It's com- not Sambo! Completely different rules. It's again, not Sambo. And this, and this sort of speaks to that. Like, you probably... Again, I, I don't want to speak on a turn here. Probably would struggle to get a more credentialed woman close to Danielle's, Danielle Kelly's weight class in Sambo to sure. compete against her. And then she beats her in a little over two minutes. Right. Like and that's, soundly. And that's because of why. It's because like, the rule sets are so vastly different. Kelly can, Kelly does what she does. She pulls guard. Right. She gets neck cranked in kind of the can opener for a minute and then goes, yeah, I'm going to just take your back here. Takes it back, throws the body triangle in, and then works for the choke. Um, and stands. And then Daniel Kelly kind of fights the choke, finishes the choke, and that's that's the entirety yeah. of the match. It was very, very one-sided because you're dealing with, again, Daniel Kelly, very high-level submission grappler. You're not going to make it to 1FC for the big paychecks that they're getting yep. without being a phenomenal and exciting grappler versus a some person that is in a completely different rule set. Yeah. Where you can't you can't pull guard. There's a whole it's a whole different it's a whole different thing. It's a completely different thing. And like, yes, grappling translates well. You take a wrestler, you train them in BJJ for a long time, and they're gonna be better than another person with the same number of BJJ mat hours, submission grappling mat hours. Yeah, because they have a long history of grappling experience. The same is true with sambo people. The same is true with judo people. But you still need the mat hours in the thing you're in the thing in. that you're gonna compete in, yeah. and like. They're they're close, which is I think is the with Sambo people have been more interesting because they're still it's a still a submission grappling art, right? Yeah. The rules are still different enough that I don't really think that the, it's a worthwhile well, comparison. We've seen, and we've seen it now twice mm-hmm, in a couple people, of weeks. In a couple of weeks. These people that are incredible Sambo players, world champions, the best in that sport, come into jujitsu 
and get beat under jujitsu rules because that's not the sport that they play. Yeah. It's not the thing that they do. And so I'm sick of it. Stop mixing grappling sports. That's the end of my rant. That's kind of the end of the rant. <laughs> uh, again, so 1FC um, also had... Uh, I, oh, I'm going to get the Bias mixed up today. I'm very tired. Who, who? Be, uh, Basilio. Bianca Basilio yeah. uh, also took a very, very quick choke win in her 1FC debut. Yeah. Again, really hope that they... 45-second short short choke or so. Yeah. yeah. Really hope that they continue to build up like yep. the grappling rule sets. Um, I wish that Amazon Prime Video made it a little bit easier to see bouts. Yeah, it's I, not set up for... It is set up this. for TV shows and seasons. Yes. It is definitely not set up for like individual fight cards. No, it took not. me a while to actually go and find the Danielle Kelly fight itself yeah. because I went, okay, she's in, oh, she's in the undercard of this particular card and I had to go like to 1FC's site and it, it, yeah, it's they, hard. they made it a little easier, but searching it through Amazon, um, I, I was able, unable to do it just directly searching through Amazon Prime on the desktop app yeah. or desktop uh, web browser. Yeah. So hope that they kind of worked that out, but still beautiful streaming quality, production yeah. quality on one. I think they just hit 10 years is top notch, top notch. and and they I was pay their fighters well yeah i was tabbing through the card looking for the daniel kelly fight and i went i'm gonna watch this tonight i'll, I'll go back and watch this because it was yeah. like there was a uh, bunch of good muay thai fights and like yeah. generally the product is phenomenal so that does it for one fc zach where do you want to start do you want to start with the ibjjf absolute gp yeah or do you want to start with finisher 17 i think the gp right, i think let's I start with the ibjjfp ibjjf GP. 2022 GP, absolute GP, because they yep. just ran a middleweight GP and women's GP, um, and they ran this one uh, at the same time as the World Pro, so that Duarte yeah. couldn't win all three this year. Yeah, um, that's kind of that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just what you know. Main <laughs> views is now the facts. Um, uh, how do we want to do it? Well, let's, let's do it. So I'll run quickly through the quarterfinals, then we'll move on talking about the semifinals, and Sounds then we'll good. talk about the finals. So yep. it's quarterfinals. Uh, so first of all. This bracket was a little biased. Like, yeah. I love Gutenberg Pereira. And yeah. I'm very happy that he got uh, what I would classify as the easier side of the bracket. Sure. And you had Cyborg and Conan on one side, and you had Gutenberg as your front runner on the other side. And I went, you're going to put two ADCC champions on the on same the side, same bracket, side yeah. that are also but, world champions yeah. in IBJJF. And you're going to put Pereira, who is, again, one, I think one of our on the show, favorite yeah, grapplers the last him. like year to watch yeah absolutely um, but also the other people on his side of the bracket where you know some have not even won a major or placed yeah. in a major you know yes. it's like the we'll talk about it a little bit more in detail but his semifinals match was a guy that has not does not have any major ibjjf I mean, wins even he has a flying triangle win over oliver taza yes. as of no and nogi a couple weeks ago sure but no no pans at Bent medal, yeah. no world's medal, no Brasilia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at black belt, at black belt. Which is so. what, on the show, typically, like, our cutoff point for a lot. When you get on the show, on Grappling Rewind, if you get to black belt, like, you previously, unless it's like an ADCC trials went, you're dead to us. Yeah. Like, your previous record is now your amateur record, and you moved into your professional outside of, black belt Outside record. of those, that first year where we're like, oh, well, we saw this thing from them at brown belt. But then yeah. after that first year at black belt, everything you did before doesn't matter to me. Yeah, pretty much. But that's, yeah. that's the rule on the show. Yeah. Um, not to take away from anyone's you know phenomenal world-level accomplishments. But we're talking about professionals. At the lower belts, but we're talking about professionals at the black belt level, yeah. especially in the gi, especially in the IBJJF. Yeah. So, caveat with that. I was going somewhere with this, and I forgot. I don't know. So, 
first round of the quarterfinals, we had Roberto Saburgo Brea defeating Henry uh, Cardosa. So Sony uh, points four to zero. So I'm so I pulled um, results from I think BGJ Heroes. Yes, looks. Like and Heroes. there was a couple of them that were like a little a little off. Little off. Uh, the same with the finisher results. I pulled those from Flow. I've made edits into some of them, but I may have just added my notes to them and not like sure. maybe change the results. So if there is an issue there. Um, don't blame me, you know, the guy, the guy <laughs> in the show, blame like the notes I've got it from and the phenomenal people that created uh, results for us to look at. So kind of beats Elder Cruz to zero in yep. set quarterfinals. Uh, this was, this was really just two points for, uh, for kind of, for basically like a sit up double, uh, not double, basically he pulls, he gets Elder Cruz. So they're both like seated, 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 seated. guard. Ooh words there and then kind of like stands him up and sweeps and then it was the majority that was yeah. two points and then the rest of the match for like 90 percent of it was basically half guard yeah and that was the match and there was there was a nice scramble or two in here um from a turtle and kendall actually shout out to kendall kendall on the broadcast did a phenomenal job a couple of times explaining specifically why points were being scored or not yeah she's there really was, good at it there was a moment in this match where there was a weird like it looked like duarte had passed mm-hmm. and then on in commentary and everyone was kind of like why did he not get points for that and i was like i'm not sure kind of was like i couldn't really figure it out and kendall like there was a pause there for a second and then Kendall, you could see, you could kind of figure out that Kendall figured out, oh, there's a there's a gap in knowledge here. And yeah. went, oh, he's come to Turtle. So IBGGFs, and she explained the whole come to Turtle rule. Whereas if Duarte comes to the side control from the Turtle, it's not a pass because they were in Turtle for three seconds. And it was just yeah. a phenomenal piece of commentary yeah, work yeah. for even me and you that watch tons of jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu in a moment going like, why didn't he score there? And then kind of going, yeah, because of this rule. Yeah. Really appreciate that, and again, she's Ken, really good at yeah, that. Her, Kendall and Chase both did an yeah, amazing they job, did a and they're they're. I think that team is like very doing good. a lot more flow events, and they are just like the level is just continuing to rise. And I'm very very happy to hear both them. Yeah. on all most pretty much all of the flow I events. Would, I would love for Kendall to commentate every jujitsu event yeah. that ever happened. So, uh, moving on, next match we had Ryder Zu- I. Ryder Zucci. Zucci. Yep. Because I've missed his name for a well, long time. Well, they were saying Zucci and Zuki on yeah. the commentary. So I'm not sure which one it actually is. But. Ryder Zucci uh, defeats uh, Gabriel Henrico Oliveira by two points. Gutenberg Pereira defeats Francisco Lowe via Comora. Um, this was, uh, there was a weird thing that happened in this match that I was kind of confused about. And I watched it a couple of times. Gutenberg from the feet, there's a bunch on the feet. Gutenberg snaps down. And then Francisco, like, as a counter to that, never kind of goes all the way down. He jumps like a flying, like, not a triangle, but, like, he does a flying guard pull, essentially, off of it. Goes to the mat. No points. Yeah. It was it was a weird kind it of... It was, I think, so I saw that. I think it was just a matter of the ref's opinion, the, the judge's opinion on initiative. It's like a snap down isn't necessarily a takedown attempt. Yeah, right? it it's was, a he- like a heavy snap down like that doesn't necessarily mean that Pereira was initiating a takedown. And so off of that heavy snap down, you have a guard pull. And so it's a matter of do you consider that snap down initiating a takedown or not? Yeah. And I it looked see like, an argument both ways sometimes. It but, looked like Pereira was trying to snap him to his knees in which case, in, at least what I saw, sure. I watched it a bunch of times. I was like, that was one of the hardest snap downs of the tournament. I was I was shocked personally that they did not consider it a pull sure. off of that forward progression from Gutenberg. They didn't, so apparently I'm wrong because 
they have pretty good refs at the GP most of yeah. the time. But it was just very interesting as a viewer to watch like this in the kind of in the same realm yeah. of quarterfinals matches where I'm like, how? Oh, why wasn't that scored in ADCC? That's absolutely going to be a negative for a pull or yeah. going to be a guard pull. Sure. Um, I was Jeff again, different rule set, but it was not. I just thought it was very interesting. Um, Gutenberg looks amazing here. He gets past, he gets to the side control, uh, and then just pops up from side control. Yeah. The Komora um, looked very, very dominant. Again, Pereira. Uh, been looking good lately. Been looking really, really good. Again, I, I like, Pereira made that shift a couple years ago in his game, and I really like seeing him, like the level of activity for the majority of matches and like his tenacity looking for a finish. Um, we'll talk about that more in the next match. Moving on to the semifinals, we had Kainan Duarte defeating Cyborg Abreu. Um, and this was a really kind of interesting... Yeah, and so this is a rematch, um, which I had to look that up. This was BJJ bet in 2020. In the Gi. And Kynan won in the Gi there. Or no, yeah, in the Gi. But, but heel hooks were legal and because so, it was BJJ bet. Or it wasn't... The, no, no, no. So Cyborg has a win over Kynan via heel hook. In, yeah, Kynan loses by heel hook. The BJJ bet. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. BJJ bet twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Kynan loses. Have by they heel only hook. ever met once? Yeah. So Ooh. that's I was surprised about that, and that's why I, I knew I the it heel up. hook loss because it's like it's the reverse Nikki Rod. Yeah, is what I thought. Of. It was in the era where it's like Nikki Rod and Kynan were going, and then Kynan loses by a heel hook. Yeah, and, and that he lost was, a couple in a row, and that's when we were like, mm-hmm. is this a, a kink in in well, Kynan's armor? He lost to Spriggs, but before that, he had lost to Cyborg, and this yeah. was I think the. First or second uh, notable heel hook. He had a couple of them, actually. Notable it was after heel ADCC, the heel hook loss. After and the Lachlan one. The, yes. After Lachlan. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so rematch, uh, Kynan pulls early. And Cyborg, this was interesting. Because like you, I, I think I would call this an error on Cyborg's part. Yes, absolutely. And so Kynan has double sleeve grips. Mm-hmm. And Cyborg, like normally... You know, I think the the like guidance that you would give as a coach under normal circumstances, if someone has double sleeve grips and you're on your feet, you're standing, which was not, he was like, which ba- is what, what he was, was like bent over Duarte's guard, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but you, but so yes, and in that situation, if your feet are on the ground and someone has double sleeve grips on you, you almost always want to sit your butt as far back as you can possibly get yeah. it to counter the weight that they're pulling and forward. To counter right? things like the Tomonagi sweeps and balloon yes. sweeps and like. Lumberjacks, all because the, they all, all of those for all of those they need to they need to load your weight up by mm-hmm. pulling you forward, and so if you're giving them that forward momentum, like you're making the load it. for them. Yeah, and so uh, Cyborg starts off doing that initially, um, and then Kynan resets his feet, and when he resets his feet, Cyborg tries to like leg pummel a little bit and like so what high I, step pass kind of thing. What and I saw Cyborg really doing is what I thought I thought he was going to do is on the reset. He was going to hip switch pass over top of him and like land in like a yeah. Sao Paulo variation or like it, that looked like that's, that's what he was what trying I, that's to do. What it looked like he was trying to do. He's like, hey man, I'm just gonna blast through your hips here and land on you. And Duarte went, Well, uh, if I have enough distance, I can just totally counter this hip well, switch at this range. Yeah, and he has the hands. Like you yes. to do what in my like I maybe Cyborg does this regularly in some way that he I don't do, I don't he imagine. does to lower skilled guys. Maybe I've seen him run through, but not with the double sleeve grip, 
right? He usually uh, has a hand available. Usually, yeah. Right? And that's the thing. I think normally usually, in yeah. this case, I think what Cyborg did is great when you have at least one hand available mm-hmm. that you can collect some cloth at a hip or an underhook with. Yeah. And then that allows you to, to continue the pass even though they have one. But Kynan had both sleeves. And so what it just looked kind of like, it looked weird because Cyborg puts his weight forward and starts switching his hips. And then Kynan just kind of pulls the hands up in the air and, and Cyborg doesn't have any hands available anymore. So he has to right. fall and he just falls forward because that's the direction his momentum's going. And, and Kynan gets the sweep off of that. And he it kind of just, just like uh, does a variation of like a Yoko, a Yoko Wakarai sweep, like a side leg turn yeah. sweep. And, I, the, you know, Cyborg's match before this went the distance, he was... Uh, he was probably dominant. tired. He was yeah. dominant, but he was probably tired. Rakinen's match was not as aggressive, I think, in the the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And so, like, it it just it was it's very very unusual for Cyborg to see to do anything that I would look at as a, from an outside perspective and see and say that looks like a mistake. And this yeah, is one of the very very yeah. few. T- he's so tight normally, and this this one looked a little bit like mistaken. Granted, there's possibly something there that I don't know that Kynan took advantage of, and and you know it, maybe it was the right thing to do, but I, and then I'm just not aware yeah. of it. But um, it is really interesting because you're right. I think of players that typically like just tend to not make mistakes. He plays it's such like a tight game him always. And Bouchetta. Lovato, like guys like, that typically like they'll get beaten in areas. Sure, but it's not because they ever like will make a mistake out of position, especially like early career. Lamar. Yeah. Like that dude was just like pretty bulletproof with his positioning and like his, his thought process for his action. Yes. He was there going to be explosive. And it was so, it was interesting. And Cyborg's extremely explosive, but he does it. He usually does it from a place where he has dominant grip position and is, yeah. is safe. You know, I think he, he uh, typically is focused. He's going to scramble like, you when he's already winning yeah. to get an even better spot. He's not going to scramble you with the hopes of collecting a better thing in the right. scrape. That's kind of what one of the, the hallmarks of Cyborg's game for years is you can watch him like, oh, he's made a scramble. It's like, yeah, he was already kind of winning. Right. And then he made you make a mistake in the scramble and then got a further position. He's not a guy like Tonin that will take a bad spot and go, hey, man, we're going to run. Yeah. I'm going to see what I can get. And it's like they're two. They look from an outside perspective. Can look similar. similar. Yeah. But if you look at like where and how Cyborg does it, he does it usually when he already has control. Yeah. Whereas Tonin does it like in every spot because Tonin will get control in that scramble. So interesting, yeah. interesting piece there. So then Cyborg's on the bottom now. He's playing uh, like sort of deep half kind of situation or trying mm-hmm. to play a little bit kind of a deep of. half kind of situation. Ends up getting the belt looped underneath Kynan's leg uh, and then does a really, really nice job kicking Kynan's uh, independent back leg, his free leg out and then being able to and then Cyborg's able to stand up into the single. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he does something really interesting. Cyborg does something really smart and interesting here is he's got the belt and he switches from the belt to the inside lapel grip to to uh, wrap underneath Kynan's leg because that inside lapel grip is a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And then the belt falls off, which is, you know, telling about the, the strength of those two different grips. And so it was really beautiful work by Cyborg to get up into the sweep. And then also that that switch was really, really smart. Um, and normally, once you make that switch, it's extremely hard to break out of that single. And 
this was another thing. It, it, I, I, that's why I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, if Cyborg was feeling okay for this match because he does another thing in this match that I was I was unsure about, and I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a, a mistake, but like it just it didn't seem like the right thing to me. It didn't seem like the thing that Cyborg would normally do to me. And normally, when Cyborg or anyone is in this single leg position, you have the leg up, and it's in between your own legs. You get your own head underneath your opponent's. Right, and so you get your head below their jaw, so that you're have the lower position, and you can battle around them over if you need to. Well, it's it's not even just that; like it's impossible for them to start creating distance if your head is underneath their chin, and so you get the the dominant head position. You get your forehead in underneath their jaw, and then they can't get that leg out because they can't create distance. And Cyborg sort of let like casually lets Kynan get the head position. And it, it didn't seem like he was, it, it seemed like Cyborg wasn't fighting for it. So he might have been looking for something else or looking for an alternate finish, but he lets Cyborg get the the Kynan. lower head. Or, yeah, Cyborg yeah. lets Kynan get the lower head position without like putting up a fight for it at all. And then because Kynan now has the lower head position, he's able to square and then donkey kick his leg back and get the leg out. And Cyborg doesn't get the sweep, which was, it was just an interesting exchange. And I, I was curious why. Cyborg didn't really fight too hard for the head position because he had it initially and it, he was in a nice tight spot and then he kind of just we know he can wrestle yeah like, like it, that's seen, why I had, we've seen him wrestle I, I, I'm curious what he was he was going for with that um, but then from there kind of pulls guard once they're back on their feet kind of pulls guard again and then we just have some some guard play till the end of the match kind of mm-hmm. takes it to oh yeah kind of like kind of goes I'm up now I'm gonna pull and kind of like not not stall but definitely he does not, the Kynan not thing, yeah. yeah, which is fine. I mean, he Kynan plays the smart game, and he yep. he gets his point. He at least Kynan gets his points in a definitive way that I feel good about before he takes his yep. time to finish out a match. And so, um, you know, really beautiful work from Kynan. Cyborg, Cyborg. Those are, I think, for me at yeah. least, the two you had one, two, and three seeds, which was Kynan. I would put probably Cyborg as your two seed, put yep. Gutenberg as your three seed. So at least we got to see yeah. like that match play out. I was happy for that. Same. Moving on to the uh, semifinals on the other side of the bracket, we had Gutenberg Padetta defeating Ryder Zucci via choke from the back. This was uh, this is like a variation of a slide choke. Yeah, this was cool. And so there's some technical things in this particular choke that are worth pointing out. But it was um, that it was over the face and teeth completely. Well, I think that no. Yeah, yeah. His mouth is bleeding. After. I don't give a damn. Anything no, about the either. next, the neck. But it, but so there to start the match. Um, Zucci pulls guard, and then Pereira opens pretty cleanly with the feet together, knees tight, mm-hmm. sit back, kind of open. And uh, immediately after opening, he clears a leg, or he straightens out a leg. He clears a leg. Zucci's forced to roll the turtle, and then Pereira jumps this, on his back this instantly. roll to turtle oh. see not even like the the way that Pereira takes the back here is like he's living in another dimension <laughs> that you're just here with him yeah in the middle of the turtle Gutenberg kind of starts like just a standing like step over almost like he's gonna go to mount steps up and away and then just like walks over the turtle <laughs> and just lands on the back as Zutri's like coming up to go to the turtle to defend the yeah. sweet it was just this it was it was the cut I, I call it cutting an eye off at the pass where it's like you're if you're more than two steps ahead of a guy in a move you can just intercept like the whole transitional yeah. battle you're going to happen and just end in the back or end in mount or just you can just 
forego all of that work that you have to do to get through someone's guard or position and go, yeah, I just took his back. Yeah. And that's what, that's ha- what he, happened. He just cuts him off at the pass for the turtle battle that he was yeah. about to make he, happen. He saw that turtle coming from light years away and was able to move into position. He doesn't actually get the back all the way. He gets a single hook in. Yeah. Um, it was close. It was, he was close a couple times. They were rolling yeah. around a little bit, and he was close a couple times. But he also didn't necessarily... That was the coolest transition of the weekend for me, though. Yeah, it was, it was cool. that back take of just like, Jesus, this is why we... like. This is why we love Gutenberg Panetta when he he's does like, shit active because like he does shit like this. Yeah. Um, but so he, he only has one hook in, and what, what Panetta does is he actually, at a certain point, he was trying to get the back to get the points, and I think he realized that he was able to feed... Um, Zushi's lapel across to the far hand. And what's really important about this is if, if you're watching this, you know, I think we're seeing a lot more submissions happen from only one hook. And it's like a like a leg triangle yeah. kind of situation when you're on the back and a like, little bit off to the side. But I think there, you know, it's really important, and this might seem obvious to people that have been playing the game a long time, but if if you're not or you're not playing this position much, you have to beat choking from the 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 choke has to be coming from the arm opposite the leg that you have so if i have if i'm on your back and i have your right leg locked into a leg triangle i have to be choking you with my left arm Mm -hmm. right it sounds choked to the same side i mean it seems obvious but like normally in in like 90 plus percent of scenarios you can't loop your same side arm because you don't have control of their body yes. to turn. And so you can do it and you can make it work, obviously. And you but- can hit short chokes and lapel chokes yeah. off of this position really nice and easy. And, you know, so Zuchi does a nice job getting his back flat to the mat, but Padetta had already fed the lapel through. It's over Zuchi's face. Nobody gives a shit. Um, and then Padetta finishes this choke it, with... Zuchi's face in and there, anger. <laughs> but it's also the it's also a version of the choke that I really like to see because it's not super commonly used. But it's the I I'm actually not even sure what we would call it. But you have the lapel choke across, and then you underhook the near side arm, mm-hmm. and then slide your hand behind their head to put forward pressure on their head into the choke. This is always the choke that I teach. Because it looks the coolest when you finish. It does look so, cool so when you specifically, finish. Specifically, like, once a semester at the club that I teach at, uh, I will show this choke because it looks cool. It's um, also really effective. It's, and it's like, a great this... choke. And also you can do it from the underhook. So you, you yes. essentially trap their arm in. You prevent the movement from the other side of the body. Yeah. If you have full hooks in, it's great. If you have one hook in, you can still do it. Um, I know this grip as like a as either a, as either a assassin finish. Or, oh, or, like a hit, or like a hitman finish because yeah. you have your hand like behind their head. Yeah, I think there's also uh, I think it is, is technically sort of a Japanese finish. Yeah, I think well, it's whatever we want to call it, I think it's the ideal finish from this leg triangle, outside leg yeah. triangle, like half back taken well, kind it, of position. It gives you the power to slide your top hand behind the head through and, and also make controls the front hand tighter yeah. as a result because you when you have that front hand grip. You are kind of limited by how hard you can kind of pull it over by the strength of your arm. Yeah. If you throw your own hand as an anchor point, your your hand behind their head, you can basically put additional pressure into the choking hand by just yeah. holding the choking hand and using your other hand to push the head yeah. into it, essentially. And not only that, like, yes, that is absolutely 
essential piece of this, but it also allows you to control the inside shoulder while you do that. Yeah. And so there's a lot of other ways that we could potentially put that pressure on, but not many of them control the inside shoulder. And so in, in several of those cases, the person's still going to have the opportunity to roll into the choke, mm-hmm. but this locks that shoulder into place so that they can't roll into the choke. You kind of end up in a half cruise in like a, a body crucifix. Yeah. It's so it's a, it's a, it's the, I, I think the ideal way to finish a person in the gi from that, that position. And it was nice to see. Yeah. Also, again, one of the reasons we love we love Gutenberg Pereira. In the finals, we get Kainan Duarte versus Gutenberg Pereira. Uh, this is Kainan taking it via points two to zero. Yep. It's a tilt sweep. Yeah, it, it really was is a tilt sweep. It's kind uh, of like a similar thing that he hit on Cyborg. It is early. It, well, it is. It, I I like his use of the De La Hiva, the hook here though. Yeah. Like that's that was the difference between this and the one with Cyborg. Here he also has double sleeve. Ka- yeah, Kynan also gets double sleeves, but this time uh, Padetta sort of knee high, like one knee up, one knee on the mat, like squats, mm-hmm. um, which is a really common position. And this is like a classic De La Hiva sweep, right? Uh, and Kynan gets the the De, De La Hiva hook in on that knee that's up uses that to extend Pedetta, um to k- create that distance, move Pedetta's hips away while pulling forward with the hands to get that sort of angle that we want. And then he uses his free leg that's not on the De La Hiva hook just to kind of bump Pedetta's outside hip yeah. over and it, then finishes the sweep. It doesn't sweep. take really much nice. because he has control of the hands and arms. Like Once you get the hips moving there, you can just sort of... The dog is hitting the table. Uh, you can just sort of tilt him over yeah. and then uh, Kynan comes up on the sweep. Gets his two points yep. and then sort of hangs out for a well, little bit. Well, I, I actually wanted to talk about this too because both of these guys do something that I think, I think, uh, hobbyist jujitsu lacks. And so people that listen to the show that aren't trying to be world competitors, which I think is you know a lot of us, pretty much most of the people that listen to the show. Yeah, right. And so if you're a world level guy and you listen to the show, cool. DM me. DM yeah, me. I'll send that you a sounds patch. Great. <laughs> um, but so. You know, I think one of the things that that people do in the gym a lot, and I see this everywhere that I train, I try to train whenever I travel, and I see it all the time, is that, like, let's say you hit a really nice technique on me, man, and I'm like, I'm swept. It's happened. My ass is on the mat. There is this respect that happens in on the mats, in, like, gyms and hobby more hobby associated mm-hmm. gyms. I, I didn't where know where you're going with this. I now know where you're going. Once, with this. once my hips hit the mat, I'm like, "Hey, nice technique!" And then you get the sweep. And then the guy, and the guy, the guy plays from guard or whatever position he ends up oh. in. And then you start that. You typically don't have a, "I'm a die." Yeah. Before I give you this, and sweep. I want, I want that to happen more. I encourage mm-hmm. it in my students. I encourage everyone to do it. I would rather. Uh, I would rather you kill me than concede a sweep. Like you, once my hips hit the mat, that is 25% of the sweep for you Mm -hmm. because I will do everything in my power to not let those points be scored. And you, I feel like you don't see this at the highest levels very often because you typically don't get the sweep unless people are able to follow up into tight positions. But you see it at lower levels often where people have really good sweeps. And then if the other person just says, no, I'm not going to let you finish this then they can't and you it happens see the a lot best example of this watch adcc trials watch like the watch like round two or three yeah to like the best of 16 yep or like maybe even like 32 you'll see a bunch of guys that run up a bunch a bunch of guys that kind of train a little bit more in rooms like that 
versus the guys at the world level where you'll see like maybe that guy has really good sweeping yep. technique and then he'll go through, he'll get 90% through and then the guy with the name you know will go, nah, nah. Yeah. and just choose not to have it happen. And that's the best example I can say yeah. of, of that particular thing you're talking about. And the, what was interesting about this sweep that Kynan hit here is it is one of the very few cases where, you know, Kynan hits the sweep, Pedetta it was very clear that Pedetta was like, no, I'm not letting yes. you have this. And Kynan had to work really hard mm -hmm. to keep Pedetta's hips on the mat. And he was able to do it. But you don't, you know, I feel like a lot of times at the highest levels, you see these situations where if Kynan does get this sweep, he's either tight on the finish or Pedetta is hitting his ass and is up already. So you don't get to see the struggle. Yeah. And there is like a 10, 5, 10 second period of real real struggle here mm -hmm. that's worth watching and it was just it was interesting to me that that's the thing that i think about a lot for people is that you don't have to concede to good technique to right ha the first half of good technique you you can make people go all the way through yeah. especially for sweeps and takedowns and things like that and this was an interesting place to see that with guys you teach it's just like hey man finish it like make 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 you turn yeah. me over all the way and like earn the sweep keep me down keep me down yeah, keep yeah. me down and prevent if i don't want this to happen I mean, halfway it's a, through it's a drill that i do with people a lot where yeah. i i'm I will say on the bottom, you are drilling the sweep. Once you are swept on the top, you're live and don't let them finish. Yeah. You know, just to, so well, you, you get a the feel the drill for this. Through. Yeah. It's, I think it's a good, it's a good um, teaching tool. And one, one I've kind of brought and bring into more of my classes, yeah. you know, after talking to you a lot about but that. You see that here really nicely. I love it. Um, yeah. Cause it, the, between two high level guys like this is just, it's not a fight that you see very very frequently yeah. i feel like it happens every time but it happens quick yeah this was not, a case where it's not it protracted yeah this is the case where it extended a bit and it was really interesting and again it's a finals for the absolute gp so yeah. it's it's where i would love to see you because the technique and the margins are so small yeah. like guys are fighting for that last inch and it's it's makes for exciting and fun yeah. jujitsu and so kind of ends up on top with this uh Pedetta is playing some single leg x and some lapel stuff and you know i think you know we see this every once in a while we've seen lapel things sort of uh, become a little bit on the edge of being meta and then fall out. And some people are really good at it well, and some aren't, but I think Keenan Keenan's retirement, I think did a lot more um, against that. Then you, well, you didn't have a guy that was at the forefront in all like, the high, that pushing it. Sure. And you had a lot of guys that now were at the Brown belt and purple belt level that sort of were, were pushing it on their own. Yeah. And you watched Keenan kind of struggle, you know, at the well, highest level with it. We saw it with Keenan too. But the issue that I think a lot of people run into it with with like playing some of these lapel guards is that if I on top am not incentivized to push the pace, yeah. it is hard to finish things. If I want to stall while in a lapel guard and I have an opportunity to do that within that rule set, I will stall. Because like, the I guy, with, and the interesting thing, I've watched it more as more guys have played lapel guard like on me personally and then in all the match footage that we've looked at on this show is... You, a guy has to commit his hands to really strong grips in lapel guards. And he can make switches, yeah. but it is very hard to ever have your hands in a way where you can drag someone out across yes. the center line, typically in lapel guards. And so you have an inside position. If a guy has good balance, which pretty much everyone does at the highest levels, you're limited in your ability to turn a guy and knock a guy over to the side unless you can get him in a very, very complicated yeah. lapel guard. And even Keenan talks about those taking like multiple minutes to set up. Yeah. With kind of the increasing frequency yep. of stalling penalties, 
and guys knowing the game even better than they have ever before, I think we're seeing a difficulty in guys setting up those lapel guards with the outside positions for the hands where they even have the opportunity to sweep people with really good balance. Yeah, and I think we see that here with Panetta because we actually get two double we get two double stalling calls on this, which yep. is legit. Yeah, but they're ju- they're largely because Panetta is playing. You know, not see not even really complicated lapel guards. They're just tight enough where Kynan's like, I'm not going to put weight forward into this mm-hmm. because that's how you use this thing against me, and so I'm going to keep my balance, stay tight. Two double stalling calls. Pedetta realizes that he can't do that anymore and has to release those guards. Um, Kynan moves. He drops his hip to like look for a straight ankle, but I also think that he kind of thought Pedetta was going to stand up with it. Um, and Panetta jumps up, and funny it looked like scene. he was anticipating it. This was like a funny little, I'm going to try to play the meta of what I think you're going to do here. Yeah. And both guys took a gamble. So a small pause to the show. Uh, this is the first time. So we just we just lost power in, in the studio here. And it is very funny to me because in we, we just hit the five-year anniversary of the show. Um, we're back. We're going to go back to the discussion of the finals match here in a second, but I want to talk about this because it's never happened before. We've never lost power mid-recording. Um, so the camera's on battery power, luckily, and this is why, for five years, I've done this show on a laptop because just in case something happens, the laptop goes, oh, that's weird. All the audio equipment cuts out. The laptop's still good. We still have the first 35 minutes of the show because I do it on a laptop. And yeah. uh, this is why I love. Being... So we don't have to repeat all of that conversation. Yeah, because it was going to be bad because Maine thought five years ago to record a show on a laptop instead of a desktop. Yep, and we've done it across the country, and so it's great. And I'm I'm gonna yeah, well, I'm gonna get a new laptop. This laptop has now <laughs> it's now earned it, and it's good. Uh, if we do happen to lose power again and the show gets wonky, just be prepared for like another cut tom- later. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. But uh, we lost power once, and that's really rare here. So yeah. Um, it is what it is. So sure. moving on, I just think it's hilarious. Five-year anniversary, almost pretty much exactly the five-year anniversary of the show never happened during live recording. So First time for everything. First time for everything. So, so uh, jumping back into Kynan and Panetta. It was very funny to see that kind of gamble with the footlock happen um, in real time because yeah. it's very you, you got to watch Duarte and Panetta go, I think you're going to do this, and both got to play off of like what the other was thinking about countering what I they don't were even, watching. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think that Kynan was sick of Panetta's shit, and I think that Kynan knew that Panetta was going to try to come up if he dropped back, right? That's the obvious yeah. thing for Kynan to do, because Kynan really didn't look like he was committing on the ankle lock no, much. Well, that, that's what I mean. He, he sat to his he butt. He did it as a bait to force Pereira to stand. Yes. And Pereira was like, well, I have to stand here because he's sitting, so I do have the opportunity for two points here because yes. in this rule set, if you sit back and they come up, you get two. So I have to take the bait because I am down two. And Duarte was like, I know you have to take yeah. the bait, so I'm going to play you that, off of that. That is what I think happened. But but Kynan, I think, the reason that I think Kynan was sort of aware of how this was going to go and was anticipating, not just because he wasn't like really hard on the ankle or because of how quickly he responded, but it was mostly because when they both stand up, Kynan has what is c- the clear dominant position. Oh, absolutely. Right? And so they stand up into this double single situation. Pereira grabs Kynan's ankle on his way up. Kynan holds onto the ankle that he had. But the position that they land in, uh, the single that Pereira is holding is behind his leg. So he does have Kynan's leg up, but Kynan has tucked his foot sort of underneath 
uh, Panetta's hamstring. Yeah. So his leg is behind Panetta, and and Panetta's leg is in front of Kynan. And so Panetta's not really going to be able to take Kynan down with that leg because no. he's he's got to reach in underneath his own, in between his own legs it's to hold on to it. not a very strong grip to like be able to move the leg around very well. No, no. And so he's going to lose that standing battle, and then Kynan is able to, to take advantage of it. Um, he ends up almost taking the back and almost passing off this of the sort of sweep situation. He sits, but He sits in what I, what I call my notes. Uh, a halfback, half Nelson crucifix <laughs> is sort of what he sits in for. He sat there so long, I thought he was going to get a stalling call. Yeah, again, like he and it was a weird position because Pereira's kind of like stuck there, and Duarte's like, I'm very happy to sit here f- till as long as I need because I'm in a dominant position almost, but like I'm in a position where I still yeah. can be countered. But if I hang out here, there's not a lot of options that Gutenberg has out of this position. So it was again, you got to watch Kynan like purposefully stall. And I hate when most people do it, but like with Duarte, with Duarte, I can see the pathway to victory, and he's usually in interesting enough spots and yeah. done enough where I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I don't know why. I'm might, more forgiving of it, it for Kynan than anyone else. Might just basically. because I like Kynan, which I think, it. Might, again, <laughs> might, might be. be again, we are not unbiased journalists. Like, I like certain guys. I'm not as, fan as, as much of a fan of other guys. For the majority, we talk about, you know, yeah. the good techniques we like to see, but I like Duarte. He gave yeah. me a really good interview. Did not clarify pronunciation of his name. Uh,. <laughs> So, uh, I like his jiu-jitsu. So, I do too. Um, so, but it, after an almost back take and almost uh, pass, uh, we end up back with uh, Pereira in guard, mm-hmm. Kynan on top. The match runs out. Kynan takes it 2-0. There were some really interesting technical things done in this match. I thought it was yeah. a good match. It was this a nice was finals for a, a GP. Fun match. I, you know, I, I, like the, I like when GP finals end like this where you see... As much as I'm not a fan of the IBJJF rule set, I do like when you see kind of the flavors of a rule set on display in a major final of like, hey, this is what kind of separates the rule set from other rule sets. It's not, it doesn't look like every generic, yeah. or not a generic, but well, every other grappling rule set. As Although I'm not the biggest fan of this rule set overall, I do appreciate when athletes show off the flavor of a rule set in a final. Well, I also think that a key feature here is that the GP's mat space, I th- don't quote me on this because I could oh, be wrong, yeah. I am pretty sure the GP's mat space is significantly larger yes. than your major's mat space. And the, the rules issues that we have, the thing that we complain about on this show the most when we're talking about IBJJF, no, I was, I was like, what do we commit about? Like, that's, that <laughs> could we, be a long No, list. I'm narrowing. I'm narrowing. The thing that we complain about the most when we're talking about IBJJF rules is the mats, the, the mat out of bounds play and yeah. the resets and all this shit that happens on the edge of the mat. And you don't get that as much. I think you see that so much at, at majors because the mats are small and yeah. they should really just take the finals and reset the mats for the majors hey and guys, put them like black belt. The game has changed where they need and use more mat space. For the techniques at the high, especially for the big guys, yeah. man, especially for the big grapplers, <clears throat> like yeah. I mean, man, I, I have, get more you frustrated. Have the money, you have the money. Yeah. You have the venue spaces. Like I've never been to a venue where it's like, oh, the matches are mats are edge to edge of the venue. It's like, give me an extra forty yeah. percent mat space. Or you could even, I mean, they could even set up the mats in a way. Like there are there are things that smart people can do to have different colored sections of the mat so that you can. You don't yeah. even have to change the mats. We've talked about this a lot, right? So, so. you know, but I, but you don't see that at the GP. We saw zero 
shitty reset. Well, we, there were some resets that you were like, oh, that sucks that they had to reset there. But I was not angry about any of the resets. Yeah, we, didn't see, we, didn't we didn't see any shitty resets. We, we didn't saw, see people like, rolling out of bounds to to get out of submissions and getting a penalty for it or point like it. Right. A lot of the rules, things that you don't like about IBJJF don't happen as much at the GPs. And I think a lot of it is because of the mat space. And so I think, uh, it's that also it's the caliber of athlete, too. So there is two sides. Yeah, of that coin. but. Kainan Panetta is easily something that we could see a in an world, absolute finals, finals, and we would yeah. probably be freaking annoyed about the ed, the mat space mm-hmm. at, no, at a world's right. finals, yeah. you know. So like, because even here they were on, they were closer to the edge. Sure. They, they say to that long, that far side edge, the majority of kind of these sequences towards but they, the end. But the issue is getting to the mat a lot of yeah. times. I think. I think uh, when you're at the mat size at Worlds or what we see at Worlds, and I, I, to be honest, I'm not even really sure how much bigger the mats are at the GPs, and maybe it's something else that's happening, but... They seem much bigger. Um, but a lot of times at Worlds, the annoying thing is people getting to the mat, you have these, like, takedown battles that right. don't... that just push don't up, really push result up, push in up, much yeah. for long periods of time. You don't get to see the actual mat work that is sort of the hallmark of what the sport we yeah. watch and do is. So... Uh, it, this, these these semifinals and finals matches were really good for the the GP. I thought. Yeah. Um. Talk about some of the the super fights. Talk about some G- of the super fights. Where do you want to talk about? Uh, what do you want to start with here? I just kind of have them in random order in my notes. That's why so. I asked where you wanted to start, Zach, because <laughs> I, I knew what order you had them in. So so the super final the super fight matches here were uh, AOJ against other people. Um, pretty, pretty much. Like, I don't know. I don't understand exactly how the matchups happen, but just every super fight was based. Almost all the super fights were AOJ people. Uh, let's so. start with Jessica Khan uh, versus Hernandez. Here, I don't. That was just the first one in my notes in random That's order. A good enough place to start. So uh, Khan's up seventeen to zero when she gets the violent on luck finish. Yeah, that, it was a flavor of the match. There's a lot that happens here, but it's really. Khan showing off her game. Yeah, it was some double pulls. Hernandez takes bottom position somehow, which was like really questionable. I have no idea how she ended up with bottom position, but she did apparently. Khan explodes the top and then just keeps exploding into new positions. Passes points, off of points, her sweep. Points. Yeah, mount. Well, I think back, back then mount, mount, then back, mount, back, mount, side, mount. Triangle. Triangle yep. in there somewhere, right? Really, really good. That's, so you have more... Uh, nope, that's basically pieces. it. I just uh, that was the match. Yeah, um, really interesting fight. I wish again the one thing that annoyed me is um, for both this event and for finishers is I they need another camera on the other side of the mat. Yeah, it because been nice. we had a lot of finishes that were back facing the camera, which is really hard to like. You miss the hand positioning, the grip positioning, yeah. and like the faces of the athletes because that'll tell you so much as well. This finish was a really cool triangle, and then Khan well, violin arm locks yeah. over the top, and you can see the extension and the pressure on the arm. The violin arm lock is the arm lock, the straight arm lock where their arm is trapped yeah. on your neck, and the arm crunch. I think Gordon calls it like sumagage here or something, which isn't technically the Japanese correct term for it. <laughs> but who cares? Um, so, but what's important about this is she does it. On the the arm that is outside of the triangle, that yeah. is my favorite place to do it as well. Oh yeah, um, this and is how so you do this it. is this is a wonderful fin. I mean, you can you can sort of get it on the inside arm sometimes, but it's just it's, hard. It's you, a have nice the, thing. you have the regular arm bar if you do it on that arm, so you don't ever really need to do it on that arm. Sure. Well, depending on where they put it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, the nice thing about this is it's a uh, it is. It can be easy to get if people are defending the triangle properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really nice finish. She collects the underhook on that arm and then straightens it out, gets that violent arm lock. 
after a really dominant performance. These two, you know, the commentators yeah. had talked about these two coming up together at the colored belts and having some battles, Khan usually taking mm-hmm. the the win in them. But um, I think this was a sort of a historic, or a, a match to build on the history of these two yeah. over time. Which, so, I, which I appreciate. So yeah, I can appreciate that. defeats uh, Kaori Hernandez via violin arm lock. Uh, yep. Next match, what you got? The silliest freaking match of the entire night. <laughs> there's two, there's... I think I know what you're talking about. I'm not even about. talking about. I'm not even talking about the silliness in the match. I'm talking about this. Why would you ever put this match on? Okay, I know what you're talking about. The on this grand stage, we have Jonathan Alves and uh, Souza. Roosevelt Souza. Roosevelt Souza. So I looked. So, I, so I, I started this match, and I, I immediately. So I. I sometimes I'll watch the intro, sometimes I'll tab through them because I didn't watch this live. I didn't have a chance to. I tabbed through, and then I got into the first position, and I went, "Wait a second. These guys are very different weight classes. Yeah, and I tabbed why, back. Why was this a thing? I don't know. So my Who did thought, this? my thought was, this might have been a punishment for Jonathan Alves <laughs> for the last GP where he played a lot of fifty fifty, and then they got in him and Margali and AOJ and everyone got into it, and they were like, okay, show us you can do it. That is my so okay. I put, I wrote the weights down my notes. Jonathan yeah, I, Alves was one hundred and seventy five well, pounds, five eight. 175 yep. is Jonathan Alves. Which is like close to my height, about 25 pounds bigger. Jonathan Alves, 5'8", 175. Roosevelt Souza, 6'4", 261. He is almost 100 pounds. Zach, just is, under just under 90 pounds more and six inches taller. Zach, that is functionally, if anyone watches on the YouTube video, that is functionally Zach and myself size difference. Yeah. And just about Zach has almost a hundred pounds on me. Mm-hmm. It's like that is it was it was comical and and to, like to see that like this is a kind of an, a funny thing like your one seventy five pounder jumps into the absolute at worlds you know you have Mikey versus Seif uh, yeah. and like you get some of these weird or things Mikey and versus you're like, Ali yeah or Mikey versus and you get these things and you're like huh this is interesting but it obviously happened because this small person jumped into the absolute right. this was a planned match what happened how does this don't know. In the end, though, Jonathan puts up a better fight than I would have thought. Uh, like, uh, look at Jonathan he put up the fight d- I expected. I mean, Jonathan is for all of my problems with the game and the utilization of the rule set, which I'm not a huge fan of, and some of his tactics. He is an amazing world class player. This oh, is a, this is the performance that I expected but, him to put up. I was I, I was actually more impressed with Roosevelt Souza for just like. The con- you just shook your head. Yeah. The consistency of like unrelenting pressure the whole time and not letting Alves at any point in time get any part of his game really going. Yeah, it it can be really cha- so. This is for, coming from a, a guy on the larger side. It can be really challenging to maintain dominant position on smaller people. It's easier to get to it, yeah. but some if you have a high level athlete. At for me, I'm about 240. If I have a high level guy at 170, my nightmare scenario on the mats is like a, a college wrestler that weighs 180. Yeah. Because, like, I will be able to pass pretty regularly, but I will almost never be able to hold that pass on someone that's like really athletic mm-hmm. and about that 170 to 80 size because there's just there's holes that my big ass leg is going to make and tiny people's limbs can fit in those holes easier and so like I understand that Sousa's not able to like maintain side control on Jonathan's Jonathan's really good and yeah. there's this weird size difference thing that I think people look down on like like might 
Right, you, you don't feel bad for the bigger guy, but at the same no, time, like never, Zach. Jonathan, as, no, as, never. as a tiny, tiny, small man, I never. Know. I've never but, but once I'm, felt bad for. But a I'm small, saying, like, it's bad. not surprising that he's not able to hold these dominant positions no, for very long. But he really passed once. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised that he didn't pass more. I was still, I guess, a little surprised that Jonathan took it the distance. Um, yeah, you know, I think, and Souza's an incredible player, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not saying this to knock Roosevelt Souza. Roosevelt Souza is a world class, yes, ultra heavyweight has put on incredible performances over and over again. I'm saying that I am impressed that Jonathan only got passed once and didn't get tapped in this match. Like, this is a... Yeah, because Souza absolutely looked ready. Like, Souza looked ready... What I, and what I appreciated about this is Souza looked ready to impose this game forever. Yeah. Like, he looked like, I'm going to work at a pace that I can maintain and keep pressing into you. And you saw Alves, like... You saw how hard Jonathan Alves was working, even at the end. Again, to Alves's credit, at the end, when typically when he needs to do something, he will explode out and like make a move. Yeah, goes for an omoplata. Like Roosevelt Sousa goes, I am a hundred pounds bigger <laughs> man. Lifts him up like Clark Gracie style. Yeah, and just kind of shucks. And it was, it was just a weird. It was an extremely weird happen? match to happen. And I don't know if there was a replacement or like I don't remember. I have no but idea. this was. The IBJJF GP typically never has these kind of matches. It was very odd to see. And so in a in an IBJJF that's very strict and like no fun and like good yeah. grappling, it was I it was a little refreshing like, to see yeah. a match that was just like this is a weird match that I'm not sure should be happening on this stage, but I actually I it, it broke me from my yeah. like IBJJF this is how we do it and I actually really did enjoy like watching like how is that was going to deal with him? Is it was he just, not I guess, I guess that's him? right. If this was like I don't. I know ADCC doesn't do events like this, but if this was like an ADCC event and then we had this exact same match, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. ADCC yeah. has like a history of throwing one little throwing guy Lachlan into versus yeah, right. Throw or this year. Um, I'm blanking right, on his uh, name. Um, uh, Fabricio Andre. Fabricio Andre in right Victor Hugo. Victor Hugo. Like, <laughs> like ADCC does things like that, and it's funny, and we all like it. Um, I love and so it. like I wouldn't be surprised if this was that. It's just it's strange for IBJJF. To yes. do this because they're they seem a little more rigid in their matchup they are, choices. They are the no fun lot, police yeah. <laughs> for the for the sport. So, Anyways, uh, uh, Souza takes that on a pass. Uh, three points. Impressive work by Alves for hanging in as long as he did yeah. and really putting up a, an incredibly defensive fight. Like yeah. it was, it was really nice. Yeah. It was, it was, it was very fun. It, I think, I think this is the IBJJF giving one of Mergali. And going and giving Alves <laughs> a tough match. I don't maybe. I don't, I don't think, know, this but they the, don't like Mergali. Dude, they don't like a lot of people. Yeah, you find that like out them. recently. Like uh moving on to the next match, we had uh, Murasaki. Andy Murasaki versus Mateus Rodriguez. Murasaki's AOJ or is he Atos? Mm, definitely one of those two things, Zach. Damn it. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I think he, I, I think this might be the one match that didn't have an AOJ guy because I think Andy Murasaki is Atos. Is he Atos? I think so. Because he was he was one of those guys that was always like across to me. Yeah, and he was like always the flow. And I always when the AOJ and Atos actually split, like like actually a couple years ago, two two years ago, two three years ago, um, I always forget where Murasaki is. And I'm looking I sh- it up. So I that should not. I'm stalling for time, people. Zach. Yeah, I'm giving thanks. you. I'm giving you time to work. I always forget where he worked. This match was only so it was two zero for Murasaki, and there is a so there's all. Let's talk about the beginning of the match. Atos. There was his Atos. There was a protracted single leg battle. This was silly. This is the second silliest thing in the entire so, event. So I have some history for what us. Some history for me is and you. We train at a gym that is run by and owned by a wrestler 
who speaks very highly, runs wrestling programs. There's wrestling programs in he the gym. He has been a high school wrestling coach for as long as he's been longer than he's been doing BJJ. Yeah, like 15 years. Like, I don't know, a long time. Yeah. And so wrestling is held to a very high prestige at our gym, even though I'm a dog shit wrestler. Um, <laughs> this match had four minutes, if yeah, not it more. Was, it was weird. Of Rodriguez holding Andy Murasaki in a single leg and doing jujitsu. And we watched as like, I was like, is he really going to hold? Like, it was such a wild exchange to see for two guys on this super high level like these. Like, I don't understand why they decided to play in this position in this way for so long. To the point where Andy Murasaki started countering takedown attempts. And this was the, aside from the Gutenberg Pereira back take earlier, this was the wildest sequence that I've seen that I saw in the GP was at one point, Mateus Rodriguez has Andy Murasaki in a modified single leg with like a little a grip um, on the lapel, kind of under, and he's holding the leg up. His head is far enough outside where he has no body contact with his head from Murasaki, and he's kind of bent over. And he holds this position for minutes. Four minutes. It's four minutes. Well, no, until the sequence happens. I think it's about maybe, maybe oh, three minutes, okay. maybe two minutes. And Andy Murasaki goes, he's standing on one leg. He's been standing on one leg for a long time. He drops to a knee, he pulls his leg partially out, and then he goes to his knees and he switches and he grabs his own like single leg variation on Rodriguez and almost gets him down. Like he counters single leg out of a standing single leg and then he did it again. And well, the got, second time he did something a little bit different. The, it was a variation. It was, it was, the, fir- the first one, the camera angle was perfect so you can see yeah. like what he did. Like I have never seen someone do this in jujitsu ever it may be a wrestling thing it may be a thing uh, we saw we saw an attempt of it i think Cade tried it at adcc but I've against seen, but against I've never seen someone like actually do it like actually yeah. take a well the leg. second one is not he didn't he didn't no but the first the first the one, first one where it's yeah. like you're in a single leg you drop to a knee you pull the leg partially out you come back up and you get their leg their single leg from being in a single leg. It yeah. was the wildest Uno reverse card shit that I have seen in a long time. It was weird. And, yeah. and that can work. It, it can work. High we level saw, wrestlers we, we will it do work. it once work. in a while. Um, but no, I didn't. it didn't work at the end of this. Yeah, right, it was a so. different thing at the end of this. At the end of this, uh, Mursaki attempts a sort of... I, from what I, what I saw, it looked like Mursaki kind of half-assed attempted... Uh, sac- sacrifice roll through yeah. that you can hit off the single. There is a yep. there is a number of ways that you can do it. You grab uh, in gi a lot of times. You grab the person's back belt lapel mm-hmm. or cloth on the back. It's an old you try to pull them forward. Judo thing when you could still. It's also a wrestling thing you can do well, in the, when, you, when you have but, the fabric. Yeah, it's old. With, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I learned it from judo because when you could still do leg grabs in judo, two thousand seven. Sure. You, there's a bunch of outside variations on the grips of the pants, and you get a lot of these backwards throws off of yeah. um, leg entries. And so that's I've, I've seen it in old school judo footage. And so uh, Mursaki s- sort of goes for that, where like his leg is still in between uh, Mateus' legs. And so he has a little bit of a leverage, a little bit of leverage with that leg to sort of elevate Mateus' hips. He sits his butt down and sort of pulls back. Mateus does a nice job defending that, though, by dropping his ass down, because if you drop your ass down, 
to defend against that sacrifice throw, then that the elevation doesn't happen from the leg and you never get the, the roll through throw. But in sitting his himself back like that, because Murasaki didn't really fully commit to it. No. And so when without Murasaki really fully committing to it, when he sits his his butt down, it makes it so that Murasaki can then stand up himself. And what uh, what that allows is that Murasaki can now plant the foot that was held up in the single because he yeah. because because Mateus is is low. He had to drop himself really low in order to defend this this roll through. Mursaki never really commit to it, so he's able to stand up instantly and so he stands up right away, but Mursaki or but uh Mateus is still leaning over and he's still low. And so he does he's not picking the leg up, so Mursaki's able to get that foot on the mat and once that foot's on the mat, then he grabs the lapel and sort of just yeets him down to the mat. Um in like the weirdest you are below me and yeah. now like physically you are in a position lower than I am and so I will just continue driving you down in this. It was it was really nice play. I don't know how much of that was planned. Um it didn't look it it didn't look very it planned, looked but it looked like a thing it where been. it's like I know that this is here so I'm a freak athlete. I'm just going to try to do it. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, that's what it looked like. We and these are some of my my favorite things to watch in jiu-jitsu where you just see a freak athlete go, I'm going to try it. Yeah. And they and they and there was having a thirty body seconds left. Yeah, and you know it. Thirty seconds left. He tries it again. The fucking counter single leg. What the actual fuck is my <laughs> actual note for this <laughs> in the notes this week? <laughs> yeah, it was it was an interesting exchange, and Mursaki gets the two for it. Um, I, yeah, yeah, Mursaki gets the two for that it. Was, that was there's other pieces that happened in the match, but that was the piece of the match that was just. Um, it was very interesting to see. I've never seen a match like that. Or I've seen it happens every couple years. I've seen a, we've talked about a couple of them on the show where someone holds a single leg for for, four minutes. for a couple minutes. minutes. And like it, it was, was weird because he also the weirdest thing about it for me was not that he held it for four minutes, but that he was that Mateus was just seemed kind of content to continue holding it. Like he wasn't really I couldn't tell what making, he wanted. Yeah, there. I couldn't. I don't know what, what he was, he was trying, trying to trying avoid to... from Murasaki. Like yeah. that's what is like. Yeah. I didn't know what the game plan. Usually, you can like we watch a lot of jujitsu. We've watched a lot of jujitsu for a lot of years. You can usually I can watch a match and kind of figure out where our guy's going. What's he thinking about? I really couldn't figure out what the hang up or like where he wanted to go here, which maybe is why he stood there for so long. Yeah, maybe he didn't know where he wanted yeah. to go from there. It was it was strange. It was but... a very interesting match, but yeah. it, it gave us those two wild sequences that I yeah, really sure enjoyed. Did. So, uh, but definitely don't definitely go back and watch. Uh, just honestly, watch watch four minutes of this because it is interesting and it is interesting enough jujitsu yeah. that's uncommon. It's worth four minutes of your time yeah, sure. to go back and watch the last four minutes of the match. It was interesting for sure. Now, um, next match we had Jonathan Gracie defeating Sergio Rodriguez, sixteen to four. This is the second match that had a pretty substantial point deficit yeah. on it. Um, this one wasn't so the Jessica Khan match was an extremely dominant performance. I don't think Rios was dominated in the same way. I think no, that Jonathan he was in it. He, he, was, he, was in it. he yeah. well he scored himself, but also even when he was losing, he was like he wasn't like held in mount for a long time or something yeah. like that. Like he got his back taken, he got mounted. It was enough to get the points, but within a couple seconds of the points being scored, he was out of those positions. Yeah. So like 
Rios, I thought, put up a really good fight here. It was an interesting match. Janatis was really putting on a, a very good technical performance. Mm-hmm. That is why Rios lost. But it was it was very much a situation where I don't think the points tell you the full story of yeah. the match because the points make it look like this was a blowout. And Rios was was hanging in there. Pretty. I mean, I don't think he was going to win at any. No. There was no, there was no point where I was like, oh, Rios might win this, but he wasn't like he wasn't getting he wasn't ever, outclassed yeah, in any he wasn't way. Ever he looked out of good. It. Other than the the points on the board, yeah, really, and it was like, oh, he's still in this match, very much in this match, but Jonathan just continues to kind of score, but not without like opposition. He's just a kind of like one beat ahead, yeah. in the places he would score, and so, uh, so that was that match. Jonathan Gracie takes that sixteen to four. Yep. Um, we also had Eduardo Garazzo Gar- defeating Zach Kana via three to one. Yep. On points. Uh, and that does it for the IBGGF GP. Um, again, I like that the IBGGF is paying out some of their top athletes. Again, yeah. we tend to we tend to not be super complimentary of a lot of the practices of the IBGGF and a lot of the rules, but I do appreciate that they are putting money back into the hands of yeah. the pros on that side, and I want to support like the athletes getting paid. That's one of the kind of tenets of this show. And so the GP is the way that they do that. Yep, the GP is the way they do that. The pro- very occasional pro events like the New York Pro they used to run, yeah. like they do a couple of them. Um, I would love to see the IBJJF continue to put on more pro-level events and highlight their talent yeah. on a bigger mat stage and give those athletes a professional platform to contend and compete in, not just in their amateur tournaments. Yeah, so I agree. It would be cool to see that. Again, it, it moves the sport to becoming more professional. Moving on to the Finisher 17. Uh, I was just at this gym last week at the Craig's Jones seminar, so it was yeah. very funny because we caught a bunch of events in their new facility, which it's not really a new facility at this point. Um, and I had not been, I got a chance to go up there. And so now it's very funny. I'm looking, oh, it's just there. I know exactly like the orientation of the camera yeah. and where it was. It was, very, it was very nice to be in a space. And then immediately I'll watch an event broadcast in a space that I just was in. Like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, it gave me a, like, a sense of warmth. It's like, oh, I know, I know yeah, where this sure. is. Um, so that was nice. We had a couple of women's super fights on here for title fights. Talk about those briefly probably at the end. Let's talk about the bracket. This was a stacked bracket. Yeah. Both Corbett brothers. Um, who, who just won Pan Ams. Uh-huh. Pan Ams? Pan Ams. Pan Ams. Yeah. Nogi Pan Ams. Nogi Pan Ams. Um, and I was very happy that they were on opposite sides of the bracket. Yeah. I was like, I hope they don't put these guys on the same sides of the bracket. Like, that's just cruel. We've seen it happen before, but it's... Uh, I don't promoters know. Promoters do I, a good job of doing that. Keeping, I would have rather them been on the same side of the bracket because that's how I like bracketing done, but I also, you know, it worked out really well that it, they did not end up in the finals against each other because that would have been a. I mean, dude, for the two of them, maybe they go that would, at it. That's like, that, maybe that'd be that cool. That would have been a great final. Then a Cade and Ty Ass- finals match. Assuming that they really go at it, like they they yeah. probably would. I mean, we, yeah, I we know the, these guys, guys a little guys, bit. They're yeah, local, yeah, and they, they probably would have. So maybe yeah, it would have yeah. been cool. But so let's talk about. I'll run through. Um, we'll run through the first couple of rounds. I'll run through the first and second round, and then we can talk about the semifinals yeah, we'll and the talk finals because we're already an hour in at this point. Yeah. So we had Gavin Corbray uh, defeating Devin Vogel via heel hook. Uh, it goes omoplata, triangle, belly on ankle lock, and then heel hook all in 30 seconds. Kind of <laughs> gives you, if you're not familiar with the Corbray brothers, kind of gives you a flavor for their style. And the, well, st- the they, style they coming out of standard. This is Gavin. Uh, yeah. Uh, DeAndre, DeAndre plays, plays a little, a little bit, bit different. A little He's bit a, safer of yeah. a game. Gavin but, is... Guns ablazing, dude and goes, I fucking love dude it. Dude goes for. I've, we've we've commentated a yeah. bunch of stuff for Copa Virginia yeah. before, and uh, that's cool. They're coming to Maryland, Copa Maryland, 
Yeah. So there's one in local, so I, I can't wait to uh, to go to that yeah, and have our guys at that one. Uh, we had Jet Thompson defeating Billy Tiger via heel hook. We had David Garcia defeating Mateus Barista via rear naked choke. David Stoley defeating Travis Turpist via heel hook. Sid Travallo defeated Randy Baker in an armbar in overtime. DeAndre Corbray defeated Jonathan Lopez via back triangle armbar. Um, looked really good doing it. Yeah. We had Ben Eddy defeating Josh Flores via side triangle. Again, Listen to all the names in this bracket. Yeah. We previewed it a little bit last week. This was a stacked bracket. We had Fabian Ramirez defeating Quinn Pierre via Z-Lock, the exact same Z-Lock that we saw Joseph Chen hit on who's number one last week. Um, given that's a technique that I'm not super familiar with, this might be just kind of how you hit the Z-Lock, but it is very funny to see that same double outside control and then threading the leg over yeah. for that Z-Lock that we saw last week, and Ramirez takes that. Uh, next, we were now into the second round, so we went from the round of 16 to the round of 8. Gavin Corbray, yep, defeat, that's the word I'm looking for. Quarterfinals. Gavin Corbray defeats Jeff Thompson via Aoki Lock. David Stoley defeats David Garcia via Rene Choke. DeAndre Corbray defeats Sid Travalo via Armbar. Fabian Ramirez defeats Ben Eddy versus Rene Choke in overtime. Love that we're seeing a lot of finishes. Yeah. Again, especially from the, the, the finisher brackets kind of consistently have gotten more and more stacked. And it's really cool that we're seeing, again, we're not the biggest fans of overtime, um, so I do appreciate when we're seeing more and more guys finishing regulation. Yeah, make the regulation some. matter. Yeah. It's, I appreciate that. That's awesome. These guys also have the model is, pool, too, yeah. and I appreciate that. If you get dominated in regulation, there is no overtime, yeah. and I appreciate that. I, I like it, that. I think that mandates that guys, like, push a higher degree of action now, and I think it was a really great change that I think the finishers guys, might have been the Midwest finishers, I thought the finishers guys, like Zach and JM, yeah. introduced that themselves. And I'm not sure where great. that came from. That's hugely important because this, I can watch finishers and not be mad about it. Most yeah. EBI events, so I like that they're 10-minute rounds because I'm not a huge fan of 10-minute rounds, but for EBI rules, it needs to be 10s. Yep, you need um, enough time to work if, there's, if, there, yeah. if you're going to go to overtime. Uh, yeah, if, they, if they're going to have that overtime set, then you need enough time to, to give them a chance to actually hit the subs. I like that addition of the sort of a pool. Yeah, um, because it puts a little pressure on people. You don't see the guys that just kind of like dead fish to get into. Mm-hmm. To hey, I'm going to stall. I'm going to stall until yeah, I get there and then you're, be given a position I never got. So Yeah, your overtime specialists are not uh, not as obvious in mm-hmm. in this in finishers. So I, I appreciate that. And I really like finishers, despite me not generally liking EBI rules mm-hmm. overall. Yeah, we, talk, so, we talk about the kind of the problems we, we've yeah, we've, we've been less and less complimenting of all rule sets. I think as time goes on, except but, ADCC and Abu Dhabi Pro. Yeah. Which, <laughs> but again, I appreciate that yeah. the finishers guys have made those changes. And yeah, we, got, a, we a, got a ton of finishes in the beginning two rounds of this, yeah. which we love to see. Because this rule set is looking for that, and they've made the changes to make that happen. So yeah, props, I really appreciate that. Yeah, props to them. Next so round, let's go, uh, Stoyle and Gavin. Yep, this um, one this one does go. to... We just talked about that overtime. Yeah, this one yeah, does right. Go this to one overtime. does go to overtime, and this was my one my one like, damn, I really wish this was a slightly different rule set for this match because this yeah. was a a fucking shootout. This was this was wild. This was back and forth, fifty fifty to saddle and false reap. For 10 minutes. Yeah. It was just like, like both guys like, oh, he's got a leg. Other oh, guy's got a leg. It was a counter leg over and over and over and over and over and over. And we saw this in, I think it was Gavin's finals match at, at, uh, one of the hands, I think yeah, was basically think the same sort of thing. Just an absolute 
leg entanglement a ton shootout. Of matches from Gavin. Yeah, I've seen a lot of like him. Year and a half, we've recently. seen him live between pans, yeah. between trials, between but these. I think his I think his pans finals match is the one that I'm I'm really thinking of that was an absolute shootout in mm-hmm. the legs again. And so. like, so this is a thing that he does. We we know that. Just we watched inherently, him, we, we watched, watched him, him a lot. develop it. Yeah. We watched him go at Copa Virginia. We watched him go from three, one, four years ago. From one that was like back takes, and then the next one, he's like, I'm playing legs now. And yeah. then we watched him kind of develop that in the local scene and bring it to this level. Yeah. And so it both these guys looked really good in the entanglements. The defenses, like, it's it, it was so in depth that I am not going to take time. It was so in depth and so long that I'm not going to take time to sit down and go through yeah. like particular techniques in it. But if you are looking for a match, that is high level leg entanglement position sparring. This is something to go watch. Like study this yeah. match as a an example of how to interchange positions, counter off of people's attempts to develop your own new attacks mm-hmm. and positions. Because every single the thing that I liked about this is that every single count, uh, every single defense led to an attack. Yes. Right? So it Stoyle would it, defend being, properly. being used as positions now where it's like, hey, I defend, then I go to the next position for my counterattack. Yes. It's not what we saw six, seven years ago, which is I'm holding a guy's hands, trying to prevent him from getting away on my leg locks. Right. They're moving their legs and hands in a way mm-hmm. that set up the next position. And so it feels very organic and feels very uh, fluid. This and match this is... and the Ash Williams and Krikorian match from Grapple Fest. Like, yeah. Go back and watch these two matches for, hey, this is what high-level leg locks look like nowadays for guys that can use the leg locks as both submission offense and positional work to get what they want. Yeah. Um, so... An absolute shootout. A really interesting match. This goes into overtime because neither are able to pull the finish off. Uh, Gavin goes first. Stoyle escapes. Uh, Stoyle takes Gavin's back and is able to finish him. I don't love... I mean, it is what it is. These are the rules. Yeah. we're not. Again, Stoyle we're, takes it. Overtime's not our favorite, but again, Stoyle takes it. He does have a really, really neat uh, switch he makes. There's a really great finish uh, switch on the arm. He goes... Across with one arm, super deep, like he's working for the choke, and then a beautiful switch to the other side arm. Yeah, and we're seeing guys get better and better at that hand switch across the neck, like fighting one side to the other side. And like we have guys that are attritive with it, but more so, even like guys like Nicky Rod, we're seeing they're getting so good at just snapping the other hand across completely out from beside the neck across and getting the finish yeah. on those snaps. And so we see Stoyle do that here in overtime. Next match, we had DeAndre Corbray defeating Fabian Ramirez via triangle armbar like a minute 45 into the match. Like, very quick. Yeah, uh, so Corbray sits guard in this one, and Ramirez is is pretty aggressively moving forward. More aggressively than... Yeah. You know, I mean, no, it, I mean, that's why Fabian, like, one of the reasons he's on who's next. Like, he, yeah, he's sure. a guy he pushes that's a smaller pace. guy that pushes the pace and is out there to, like go get it done yeah um and i appreciate that it did not play out for him no like he time. might have hoped this time and so that i think corbett corbett was able to use that forward momentum to uh grab the arm trap and then he so he, he gets the the underhook arm trap position on uh ramirez say i think his right arm and then throws up a triangle yeah. over that left arm like snappy like right very, away very quick um and so it's you know it was an interesting setup from corbray because i think a lot of times people aren't gonna kind of throw that triangle up off of that arm trap because the other arm's free right you usually want yeah like you want to have some kind of 
disruption of the arm that you're trying to get your triangle around and and Corbett just kind of didn't give a shit about it and Ramirez does what what you would expect someone to do in this particular scenario and he has his hand inside the triangle still so like the, mm-hmm. the outside arm's hand is still in the triangle which is usually uh enough to play defensive mm-hmm. now, the issue with this though in this particular case was that because Corbett had that arm trapped uh, like you know, typically what we would be hoping is that if that hands in, we can get our hands clasped together. Yeah, and then if you can you get your can hands clasped together, out. you can frame and you yeah. can sort of bench press the hips away a little bit, and you can sort sort of start wiggling your way out of that triangle. But Corbray has that arm trapped that he would the the inside arm trapped, so he can't get his hand to the the hand that's that's stuck inside. So yeah. like his his trapped con- arm, the inside arm. Uh, he can't connect to the outside arm, which has the hand inside still. And so eventually Ramirez switches a strategy to from trying to get those hands connected to posturing up. And when he postures up, his hand sort of slips out. And now he's got good posture, yeah, but his kind, hand has slipped it out. It kind of looked intentional. It looked like he was like, okay, because it seemed like he was in a weird middle spot yeah. where he couldn't really do anything with the trapped hand. So he wanted to get it out and then try, because he was up, to try to work a defense off yeah. of that. But And that I, that's what it looked like to me as well. It looked like he moved that hand out intentionally or you know, there was a chance that maybe, maybe it got moved kind of funny and then he had no choice but to take it out. It seemed like a weird choice to make for me um, because I'm, me personally... And I'm never trying to get that hand out of there unless I'm yeah. threatened in a way where I need to to take it out. But I, as a little guy, I like this defense because I'll, a lot of times I'll use the stand as enough of a disruption to get my hand out. But I can't really do the stand effectively because I'm crunched over with my own hand in my sure. chest. So that's like this might be a, a body size dynamic yeah. kind of thing. But um, once that hand is out, then Corbray is patient with it which is the thing that i noticed most about him in all of his matches mm-hmm. is just, he was very patient and progressive and so he slowly broke ramirez's posture down and actually ends up finishing with like a a mirror like he's got ramirez posture broken all the way down yeah. and, and may have been able to finish the triangle by resetting but he sort of finishes with like he a mirror lock a kind of situation very, very straight on triangle like he has almost no angle but cut to the side the, the tap i don't think was from the no, no, it triangle it was, it was from the arm, the arm bar, bar yeah which it was is a like straight like a, a variation it was like a, of a straight arm bar. It, yeah. It, lo- it didn't like, look like he, a mirror lock to me. He was trapping the elbow like a mirror lock, mm-hmm. but also the arm was straight and then twisting. So it was like a, I it was a it was somewhere yeah. halfway between a mirror lock and a straight arm lock, which mm-hmm. I don't think it was shoulder pressure. I think it was at the elbow, but it was yeah. like a twisting version of it gonna, where you're, you're trapping gonna, the elbow. If you trap the elbow and you can spin out the elbow easier yeah. that way, you can still kind of functionally get a variation of a mirror lock. Yeah. But for me, this looked like it was just elbow and not like a rotation elbow. But he was starting to Maybe. do it where if Ramirez were to dig one way or the other, he can finish the mirror lock yeah. there. So But he finishes with an arm lock of mm-hmm. some kind, straight arm lock probably. Um and looked really good with it. It was a pretty dominant finish pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the finals, we have DeAndre Corbray taking on Dave Stoley. So apparently on commentary, it said that Stoley had beaten Corbray like the week before on yeah, something. Yeah, something. I don't know and, what. And Jade, well, they didn't Stoyle. They didn't... It's not Stoley. It's Stoyle. Stoyle. Sorry. It's been. You know me in names. It's a day. It's an, out- it's an outro bumper on the show since 2018. It's also weird that I'm correcting a name from you. So it's, it's, been, it's been a day. It's been a day. New job um, has been, uh, been, been good, but been rough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Stoyle uh, clearly wanted to play the... F- so Stoyle pulls guard, Corbray takes top. Stoyle clearly wants to play the false reap. They mentioned in the commentary that that Stoyle had beat Corbray uh, the week before. And mm-hmm. so it, it kind of looked like maybe Corbray was like, I'm on to what your game plan is here. Oh, yeah. And it looked like he, was, he had 
taken that match and went, yep, I specifically planned yeah. to see you again here today. Yes. And so what Corbray does in this match is smart if you know that Sto- all Stoyle wanted to do was play the false reap. He clearly was doing everything he could to set up false reap. And he really didn't seem like he was trying to do too much else in this particular match. Corbray, yeah. I mean, occasionally he would default to trying to do something else, but it was mostly trying to get back to the position where he could start working into false reap again. Yep. Corbray did a really nice job controlling the outside ankle, which is what you want to do with someone. I, uh, to be honest, it's what you want to do with someone that's trying to play inversions into mm-hmm. leg entanglements I mean, anything, always anyways, really. right? It's a, it's a good idea, but in, especially if they're trying to, to specifically play that false reap position, because if you can control that angle, that ankle, keep it outside of your hip, they can't come in or underneath you to get... Like that, that foot needs to go to the, the inside hip. Yeah. And so it needs to cross through your hips entirely. And so Corbray is just doing a nice job keeping it tucked into that, that outside hip pocket. And he holds that position there from like a headquarters kind of passing position, mm-hmm. holding that ankle on the outside of him for minutes and patiently waits for Stoyle to position his knee in a way where Corbray can then slide his hips forward and get his hips in front of Corbray's outside knee or Stoyle's outside knee. Mm-hmm. And then he starts doing this really nice passing where he takes the the knee that is not pinned, the knee that's not in the headquarters position, mm-hmm. and uh, places it inside Stoyle's hip, and then is basically high step passing to come out. It this, was I had to watch this a couple of times. The first pass is what I kind of watched and rewatched over and over again. Yeah. Is DeAndre for he goes from like a shin pin like knee cut on the on the cross side on the close side, and then. To pin Stoyle's leg down, he steps his outside leg that's basing out and pushing into the hip line in. He puts his knee on top to replace the knee-cutting leg. Very briefly, knee cuts, and then steps it back out. And it was like a quick little hip switch that he yeah. almost like a windshield wiper over the pin leg to prevent that leg from coming back up. And it was like... It was like a quarter second of just like yeah. he comes up, he like squares and comes back, and it was he was passed. It was, it was some wild like fluid dynamic technique. Yeah, it was that cool. I was, it was something I was like, oh, I'm gonna go and try to do that. I'm gonna fail at that a bunch. I'm now. gonna <laughs> fail at that a bunch because again, I there's a different way that I try to pin the leg when I pass there, but to see how dynamically like he could do that with yeah. shifting his balance was really really cool. And the camera let you see the leg position. And I liked this is one time I actually did like seeing the position from the back. Yeah, because you, would, good there. you might have missed this from a different camera angle. Yeah, it was a it was some really nice passing. And then Stoyle, like so he gets that pass. Uh, he actually, I think, gets to mount off of that pass, but there's no points, So it doesn't necessarily matter. He can't finish from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a little bit later, he starts to do that same exact pass. Stoyle has kind of caught on to it a little bit and starts locking down that outside uh, Corbray's outside hip a bit more and is, is putting a little pressure outside there. And so instead Stoyle or instead Corbray uh, climbs to mount off of this same setup. And so it was it was a clear it was really nice opportunity to see um see the progression of a, a technique series from someone. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of clear that Corbray uh, passes this one way if he can. And then when he's blocked in that direction, he kind of does this climb to mount thing. Like it was nice to see the, the transition or change in, in technique off of the same setup from Corbray there. Um, and it was really interesting technique on that. Uh, eventually he's able to climb up to mount and he finishes with an arm bar from guard after being in mount for a little well, he while. Does, like, he does like the he step, does that, like, over, step over the head, yeah. like the judo style, like the, yeah. like a, I think Katakatame or like, yeah, 
Uh, is that the word for it? Well, Stoyle is sort of turning his shoulders to to try to almost move into to turtle. Yeah, and then yeah, it's it, it's like it's the, it's it's the, the Ronda, fast. It's the Ronda armbar yes. where she puts the shin behind the head, and there's a judo name for and that. Rolls forward through arm. it. Jujugatame. That's the word. Sure. Jujugatame is what they call it in judo for the specific armbar. I know this specific armbar as a Jujugatame armbar, where instead of going over the face, you go shin behind the head, you fall yeah. off. Well, it works that way. It works well that way because usually the one leg is, is tucked underneath already and you roll yeah. forward onto it, which is what happened with Corbre here. Um, and he's able to finish that armbar real tight, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Tools back to guard, finishes it from the back, yep. it's stacked on it, but it's not going to let it yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drives up, finishes, you know, standard belly up armbar. From yep. the guard and is your uh, finisher 17 champion takes home 2k again love seeing guys get paid yeah um, that's how you that's how you get professional athletes and people to continue to stay in the sport is you pay them and you give them incentive and so I love that again I love that the finishers guys are paying paying out um, 17 events so I can't wait to see the next one awesome yeah. it's on flow uh, two other title fights on this match. We had a 205 pound, uh, sorry, 105 pound inaugural title versus Faye Charrier and Christina Pinto. Uh, Faye finishes that uh, via a heel hook. Um, goes super, super nasty heel yeah. hook. Finishes, switches the grip to go from like the standard heel grip to the belly down grip on it, and just knocks out. Um, yeah. I I did that a couple weeks ago, and I just it's pretty brutal. It gets. It crunches quick, yeah, and uh, it was crazy. So it's awesome to see Faye taking the inaugural 205-pound title. Again, I love that the finishers guys are bringing in the smaller women's weight classes into the title picture now. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they're going to run uh, maybe a GP. That'd be cool. Or like an event with that them. Would be cool. It would be awesome. Now that we have a champion. We have someone defending. Put them in the bracket as they usually do. Yeah. It would be great. Or you know, keep them on cards as title fights. Yeah. We also had a 135 pound title fight. We had Alex Enriquez, who we've been super hot on. Yeah. Uh, for a while since trials, I think is really where yeah, we keyed in that she was really good. Uh, taking on Nicole Matthews beats her in ride time. Uh, Alex is really going for the legs in regulation. This is about a 20 minute match, and you know. Um, Alex is able to take that on ride time and yep. 135 pound champion. Uh, big props to the guys, the finishers, specifically Zach Maslani for getting results out, putting them on flow. Um, yeah. I do appreciate that. You know, that, that I talked to Zach very briefly at, at, uh, the Craig Jones seminar that was at his gym, um, about like, yeah, he, they get those out. And so, yeah, other organizers, I would love to see them kind of take a renewed effort. It makes a huge difference to get their stuff uh, out and parsed out, and like there were individual matches lined up. Like it allows us when you have a huge weekend like this with all of these matches to be able to cover it and be able to watch it and enjoy it and point you know yeah. listeners to those specific matches. So we, props to him for yeah, absolutely making that scene in PA and even you know just all the way easier on your viewers. You know, yeah. it's not just us that are trying to commentate on the thing or trying to talk about the things soon after. It's you know, the average person that wants to watch this, having results up makes a huge difference. Makes you can look through game. who's where and what's and happening all the and matches find the are pushed out. Like if you just want to watch the semifinals, right? You can you can essentially look at a guy's run and then you can easily follow a guy if you don't yeah. have the time or aren't looking to watch the whole event. Yeah. You know, it, it's such a good quality of life thing. And it I don't know how much replay guys get out of that because Flo doesn't share that data. Yeah. But I assume that it is massive because they, you can point to individual matches and yep. find them again as opposed to needing to go through a whole, whole card that may or may not have results and sort of get lost to time. So props is, to Zach on that. Know, really appreciate that he does that. That sort of leads into, you know, the, one of the other major events this weekend was a uh, Abu Dhabi World Pro. Yeah. And honestly, I, I will go back and watch this. Mm-hmm. I will watch World Pro. If World Pro was the only thing happening this weekend, 
then oh, hell yeah. it was it's absolutely what we would have spent the entire time covering it's it is my favorite gi rule set yep hands um, down i love far. it i love the matches they're always very exciting the competition was very high level this time mm-hmm. we had to choose between a lot of events uh, this we a lot of matches this weekend. We can only do so long of a show. We can only talk about so many matches. Yep. The GP was nicely broken out into videos. Finishers was nicely broken out into videos with results up. Abu Dhabi World Pro is one long video mm-hmm. that you have to search through to find the matches that you want to talk about the finals and mm-hmm. things like that. It takes forever to do that. Yep. And so when we have to sit down and choose, okay, do we do the GP and finishers? Do we do the finishers in Abu Dhabi World Pro? We have to do the ones that we can spend the time on, yeah. so we don't I mean, really we, get... We would have been able to do only World Pro this week, and there I thought yeah. there were some great matches on both finishers and on yeah. um, GP, so it was it was a judgment call. So unfortunately, we yeah. have results here but for my, World But my point Pro. was just that these quality of life things make a difference for, yeah. for all kinds of stuff. You know, the World Pro's quality of life uh, privileges or things that they've given us are, are, are on the lower side here. It's just mm-hmm. one long video that we have to search through. Yeah. And Production so. quality is phenomenal. I didn't, Production they, quality is very good. They were. It was weird. We had two sets of commentary running at the same time, and I was very confused because that's a first. Usually World Pro is um, pretty much the best produced event you know, we I haven't it, it runs. I had to watch everything else, so yeah. I didn't get a chance to go um, check there it. Were, yet, there was there like was two like... different commentaries running. You could hear the original commentary with this secondary English commentary. Oh, running weird. it wasn't like it was a little distracting. The English commentary was very, very good. Yeah. Um, I forget. I've been blanking on who did the English commentary. Very, very good commentator. Yeah. Very happy to have them on. But there was both broadcasts mm. coming through. Um, that's a little weird for them. They're usually very high. Po- yeah, so that was that was weird this year. I'm, again, I'm gonna watch, go back and watch this, yeah, this week because again, this week. I love World Pro. Yeah, um, may get a chance to talk about it next week, uh, but just just not sure. Yeah, um, I'll move on. Move the results. We have 56 kilogram division. Zaid Akhtar. Oh, it's gonna <laughs> be one of these weeks. Zaid Akhtarhiri uh, takes 56 kilograms. Uh, Miriam uh, Maguire. Mag- Mag- I can never Mayrum. Mayrum. I can never get his name when I see it written down. Take 62 kilograms. We have Diego Sodre taking 69 kilograms. Lucas Presterio taking 77 kilograms. Felipe Andrew taking 85 kilograms. We have uh, Cartel Vela taking 94 kilograms. We have Yatan Bueno taking 120 kilograms. We have Brenda Larissa taking 49 kilograms. Anna Rodriguez taking 55 kilograms. Julia Alves taking 62 kilograms. Isildor Cristina taking 70 kilograms. And Gabrielle Passana taking 95 kilograms. Again, a lot of names we talk about frequently on the show. Yep, love to watch their matches. I'm going to go back this week and watch them. Yeah, um, and the rule set at at World Pro is just set up in a way that pushes action. It's exciting. It's my favorite rule set in the gi. I really yep. wish that uh, we we could have chosen mm-hmm. to do this this year this week. But so so maybe that, next time. That does it. Uh, next week, I think we just have a fight to win, and um, we had one other. Yeah, there's another event. There was another event. Let me. Rise. Rise. Rise, yeah, Rise is back. We don't have much information on that right Yeah, we don't now. have a lot of, at least on flow, on the flow side for yeah. you know, information. We don't have any any card listing for there, so we'll cover that next week. But overall, a like, really fun week of matches. I had a, had a ton of fun yeah. watching that. Love a lot seeing, of love seeing Kind, love seeing the Corbett Brothers there. Yeah. So, yeah, very, yeah. very fun week. Lots to do. I, I had enough time to watch what we were going to talk about. I'll spend my week watching, catching up on World Pro because... Yeah. That'll be exciting. And What's then, your week look like? Anything anything fun this week? Um, not really. I, my wife and I always stay in town for Thanksgiving and oh, yeah. aren't a big fan of turkey, so we make a duck. Uh, Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. 
This yeah. will be the first. This, so I have a new job and I have no time off. So I always take off historically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because in the U.S. we get Thursday and Friday off. Yeah. So I take three days off to get the week. I have no time off this year. So yeah. your boy working uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, Rachel flies home Thanksgiving because the flights were way cheaper. Um, so it'll be great to have her home, and then um, we'll hang out, do Thanksgiving stuff, nice. and then do Friday stuff. Black Friday. <laughs> do Friday stuff. I'll get paid for the first time, so that would be very nice. Yeah, that's nice. And then uh, get paid on Black Friday. That's, that's a, I'm 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 excited. What to, a disaster! I'm excited. Like oh, wake up, like oh, we do Black <laughs> Friday shopping. Uh, is the is you know the true American Black Friday spirit. shopping is my absolute nightmare. It it used I to will be really pay good. More money to not deal with people. Oh, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go out and shop anymore. Oh, like, yeah. Like, no, on the internet. On the internet, Black Friday yeah. shop. Because it used to be Cyber Monday, and they were like, we can take their money for four days? Yeah. Like, and then I'm like, thanks, guys. So. Appreciate that. I got some game stuff I'm going to buy. And I'm yeah. going to have I'm gonna have a good time. Nice. Um, might get a, uh, might get a GameCube account running. I play GameCube some Melee. account? I might, I, might, I might play some Smash Brothers online. Oh, okay. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. I might, might buy some stuff to get that, get that up and running for myself. GameCube was probably the best. It, it is the best system that it's existed. Great. You ever played Super Smash Brothers Melee? I'm not it's a big amazing. Smash Brothers fan. I Love played it. the shit out of Mario Golf on GameCube Ooh, though. That, that game was, was that incredible. Was a good golf game. Yeah, that was the best golf. The double dash guy double dash and, was and a really melee guy. Good. I was, I was a melee guy. Yeah. Like that's. That's what I played. And, yeah, I pay, and it's I had a giant a resurgence bit. in the last couple of years. So of I'm like very happy that uh, there's now a huge competitive scene for it that's remained. And I'm like, yes, I can be the old guy scares at cl- yells at Cloud at this <laughs> at this community. So uh, it's awesome. And it's been it's been cool. But it, I've been I've been getting the bug to like set up an set it actually set up like yeah. an account to be able to play. And there's some adapters, some other stuff I need. And I'm like, I think it's I it's time. It. I think it's time. It's so I think time. I think that would be Thanksgiving break for me. Is nice. like going. I, I earned it. I earned the earned the right to get dunked on by by players that are much better at this game that I used to be good at. Nice. So, uh, it'll be good. And also, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited for. It. Other than that, I got nothing else going on. Uh, we got some promotions coming up at some of the gyms, so that will yeah, be that will be exciting. One, Austin, uh, yeah, who does the show semi regularly is mm-hmm. getting his black belt. Long deserved. Yeah, long um, deserved. Yeah, so, so that's, that's exciting. Yeah, so it's, it's fun. We, we we have promotions for some of our guys too. Yeah, for some of the guys which, at Hopkins, we have some guys fun. from our our gym. Yep, getting going promoted up. soon. So it's the promotion season. I love yeah, it. It's great. Always great. So, Zach, anything else? Nope. Right, as always in the show, I'm your host, Maine, to the co-host. Zach. And we got the grappling around. Just to the map. Whatever it is, stay safe. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Google+. Plus. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time and thank you.